have because I have got most of it from the fucking race. I want some. I was hey, swearing to... aloud. Yeah. 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 You said yes. You said yeah. No, I said yes. <laughs> I said yes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's when doing a white cloud search at five p.m. Everything is allowed. I'm ready. There's Are no, we doing this? no rules. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do it? Go ahead. All right. Hey, everybody. Have we Hi. been recording this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome What's to the pod. On? Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're going to do a little introduction of our guest. Okay. Um, so our guest today wears many hats and is also probably the, literally wearing, <laughs> takes off the Seagullman stable hat as I say that. Um, he's also probably the busiest person we know. So this was kind of a little bit of a, you know, journey to schedule, but <laughs> doing the ultra, ultra running hobby, being a runtographer, you're emerging, being an emerging TikToker. Also being in school full and working full time. Yeah, who wrote this? They're good. I gotta hire them. <laughs> but nonetheless, he's here, and we're excited to welcome Rob Perez, aka Bobby Bugatti. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, you Bobby Bugatti. Yeah, I still don't have the password for that. <laughs> you so, never will have the password. I, There's um, been like multiple people who have come up to me and been like. Where's the Bobby Bagote content? Where so is I it? Bring it back. back. Where is it? it? Where is it? I think Maria. Maria. She yeah. was the best one. <laughs> yeah. Maria Giuliano, get yes. back on Bobby Bagote. Yeah. yeah. She was such an unnatural actor. She won't even answer the phone when you're in the same city as her. So you expect <laughs> her to do content. Yeah. Yes. Bobby Bagote needs to make a comeback. But also, that might be a race specific personality. Yeah. Um, it worked well for TSP. I haven't used it, obviously, for anything else because all my other races have been unsupported and not 300 miles. But um, yeah, I think Bobby Bugotti needs to be, even if I do like a 5K, there needs to be some iteration of a Bobby Bugotti. You, you need to rename the mustache for every race. I should have. Every race. Wow. <laughs> There's not enough mustache names in the world. <laughs> the world's <laughs> an oyster. I can't even come up with a vibe. There's so many. I feel like I should have brought it back out for like better your mile. <laughs> you could have done this separate TikTok for each lap. <laughs> that would have been so good. Four whole TikToks of me dying. <laughs> Getting destroyed. All right, now that we gave you the best introduction ever. Yes. Do you have anything to say well, about yourself? First, first or, before you oh, yeah. I want to put you on blast and talk about what we're drinking here. Yeah. Rob, what the fuck are you drinking right now? Hold on, I'm taking a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'll do not disturb. Um, I am currently drinking grape, fla- oh, sorry, blackberry flavored White Claw Hard Seltzer Surge. 8%, but don't worry, it's gluten-free. Um, <laughs> Thank God. Yes. It's 5.22 p.m. Yes. Um, yeah. It was a long week. It was a long week. Last night I went to bed at 1, because you mentioned I'm in school now. So homework is due on Thursdays at midnight. And so I got that done. And then I had about five weeks worth of laundry that I had to fold. So yeah. I went to bed super late. And then I woke up and went to work and died through work a little bit. And so now I want to White Claw. Is that okay? And then you ruined your outfit. Yes. So. Yeah, I rode here in pouring rain <laughs> with my busy schedule that you referenced. So a White Claw is okay, Joelle. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah. On that note. Yes. Is there anything else you would like to say or something that people do not know about you to add to that introduction? Okay. Let's see. Is there a right answer? No. Oh, cool. There's no right Tell answers. us something that we don't know about you. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the that, goal of this. The, literally, the goal of this is that we will learn wanna, something You guys actually new. want to get to know me for What's once? your childhood trauma? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My 18th birthday was kind of <laughs> shitty. Um, let's see. Something you guys don't know about me. Um, My background in work. 
I, if you guys are you, are you all familiar with Cutco? Yeah. Yes, knives. the knives. Yes, <laughs> I sold those. <laughs> I sold knives. Okay, so I sold knives, and it was cool. It was like long story short, I went from entry level all the way up to running the number one office in the country in Chicago. For Cutco? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. I was one of the managers there, and we were responsible for a ton of sales, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is pre, pre, okay. yeah. This is what developed my personality: selling knives, <laughs> as I, as we say, slinging blades. Um, Everything makes so much sense. Yeah. Can you imagine me walking in your house and being like, "Mrs. Johnson, don't you want to own this set of knives?" If anybody walks into my house and tries to sell me a knife, that happened all the time in high school. It was always like these. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. Yes. No, Mrs. Stacks. Yeah, I sold knives, and I, like I said, entry level. My first summer that I did it, I was one of the top reps, and so they invited me into the management side of the house, which arguably makes less money, but you learn a ton of things that as an 18-year-old, you would never learn in any other job at that point, because you're usually just a freshman in college, which as you two know, I'm in school now. I did not go to school back then. So um, so I sold these knives and moved up into management and then moved offices from a smaller office to a bigger office to a bigger office, and eventually in the North Shore location, which North Shore Chicago is like the ritzy rich area sold a bunch of cutco there had a bunch of awesome people and that truly like talking to strangers all day long and cold calls cold calls will change your life i called random people all day long i had the phone slammed on me i had people that loved me i had people that hated me it was everything and that tr i can truly say that somewhat made me who i am as an 18 year old i went from like a slightly shy guy to this guy who would like sell you a knife can so, you give us like an example of how you would cold call like if you were to sell us knives what would you do like, yeah yeah, give me I, buy a knife on me right now. yeah so i would um so I, it's a referral based company so you start with your own friends and family and then from there you practice getting referrals and you would say something along the lines of like Hey, Sarah and Joelle, I know you guys enjoyed the presentation and obviously you guys ended up buying something, so you must like the product. Do you have any of your friends that you know that could give me like 45 minutes to an hour of their time? I get paid regardless of whether anything they buy, so it's no pressure at all. You'd say something like that. And that's so easy because you just, friends love pawning their friends off on other friends, especially when a cute 18 year old Bobby Bigote is <laughs> um, a baby face Bobby Bigote. So, yeah, pre mustache. So, I would do that. And then when I get on the phone with these new people, um, it was a, uh, it's like when your friends do something, you want to do something, I would go down that route. And so I'd be like, Hey, Sarah, um, I don't know if you know, but your friend Joelle actually gave me your number. I, she just purchased a ton of stuff for me. I do these like stupid little kitchen demonstrations. It's like Pampered <laughs> Chef on steroids. You'll love it. We basically get to chop up a bunch of food, we have a little bit of fun. Yeah. I'd be like, we get to chop up food, have a little fun. It's really chill. And I get paid whether or not you buy anything. So there's no pressure at all. I was just hoping I could find the time to come sit down with like you and your husband and show you some stuff. And every single time, once you drop their friend's name and they're like, hey, they gave me your number. There's a huge trust built, even though you're about to say, hey, I'm walking in with these like 10 inch long knives in this yeah. house. Like, is that cool? And I'm a stranger. Um, everyone's cool with it. So there you go. I'm wondering if it's like even trust or this was like more of an obligation thing. If someone, if, especially with like older like couples, if they were like, oh yeah, this 18 year old kid is like yeah. trying to sell knives. I, and so when I managed, I told these people or the people that I managed, these other 18 year olds, I was 19 at that point. So oh. I told these other 18 year olds, I'm like, Y'all are essentially bigger versions of Girl Scouts. Like people see you and when you say, I just graduated high school, I'm trying to do a summer job, make some money and then go to college. That's the easiest sales pitch that everyone wants you in their front door. And then especially when you can tell them I'm getting paid and I'm not even 
you don't have to buy anything. I get paid regardless. That was the the best kicker to it. Um, yeah. So I ended up making a ton of money. It was great and super fun. Wow. Um, but yeah, I sold knives. And then my other pre-Navy job, actually it was kind of during the Navy. Um, I worked at Brooks Brothers. So I was, uh, oh. I was yeah, I lived in Connecticut. Retail. Yeah, I, I, retail. It was great. Um, but that is, that was my intro to like menswear. And that's why I love putting on a nice shirt every now and then and slacks yeah. and shoes and a tux at track prom the other night, throwing a tux that. on for that. Yeah. Um, those are the two jobs that I learned something about myself. And I was like, I can talk to, you know, middle-aged women and I can wear a tux. So what else do you need? So ladies, get into DMs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that leads like directly. Yeah. No. Transitions. <laughs> um, okay. So briefly mentioned the Navy. What made you decide to enlist in the Navy? So it's funny. My mom was just in time two days ago. So I was telling this story to a couple of friends. I don't know, mom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hi, mom. You're going to hear this story again. But my version of it, which is way better. So I, when I joined the Navy, I texted my mother to let her know that I was joining the Navy. Um, I basically, I stopped into the recruiter's office one day and was, I, it was, the way the office was laid out is like you walk in the main doors. It was in um, a little shopping center. So it was like a long building, but not something wide. So you didn't get to like go left or right. You had to walk down this long hall. The very first door was the Navy. And obviously they like scream at you the second you walk by. And I'm walking in, clearly not in the Navy. And they're like, hey, what are you looking for? And I was like, I'm thinking about joining the military. And the guy's like, what do you, why? And I was like, well, I live in the Midwest currently. I'm from Chicago. Um, I live in the Midwest and I think I would like to live more by the coast. And so I figured, you know, before I could even finish, he's like, Navy, you live by water. That's how it works. It's the Navy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, true. I didn't really think about that. He's like, or Marine Corps, but Navy. And so he like took me in. Uh, he was a submariner. He talked to me about submarines and I thought it was kind of cool. Also, they did the typical thing where they're like, you get paid more if you live underwater, which, um, that was a interesting concept that I wasn't used to. So you're like, I want to be on the coast. So I'm going to be in the water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to live somewhere cool, but not actually see it. Um, so I, I said, you know what, let's try that. So I picked up a contract and a month later left and joined the Navy and moved out. But yes, doing the background check, you need like your mom and dad's social security. You need like where they were born. You need basically all their stuff, uh, birth certificates and everything. So here I am texting my mother and she's like, what are you texting about? And I'm like a job application. And she's like, what job requires you to give your mother's birth certificate? And I was like, um, well, I'm thinking of joining the Navy. Um, and my mom was not thrilled. So I ended up joining. Yeah. She did it for the extended version. For sure. it's, it's a little bit longer. Um, so that went really well, but then fast forward nine years and I getting out of the Navy was like, it's only right to text my mom. And so I texted my mom like the reverse message. I was like, Hey mom. Uh, so I'm getting out of the Navy. And she was super happy because at first, and like any mother, she was scared, um, that her little boy was going to get hurt, but. I obviously thrived and survived and moved down to the White House, which was my second job in the Navy. And then now I am out of that and safe. Secret job. Live Secret to job. tell the tale. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. Um, what was the experience like? Because you spent a lot, most like a lot of the time living in a submarine, which kind of alluded to. Yes. And what was so, that experience like? So total total time spent working on the submarine, as in I would go to work on a submarine every day, but not necessarily be at sea. Um, that was four years. I spent a little over a year total underwater. Um, living underwater, how do I explain it? I, do, I tell the same story to everyone. It is, imagine you got stuck in a huge house because they are pretty sizable, actually. They're 300 something feet long and 33 wow. feet wide. There's three floors yeah. throughout the whole thing. 
the back half is where the nuclear reactor and the engine room and all that is. Um, the front half is where all the operations happen. I was an operations guy, so I was up front. Um, but, and all the living quarters are up front because you don't want to sleep next to a nuclear reactor. It's really bad for you. Um, but I played a lot of cards. I learned a lot about submarines and a lot about submarine safety. You get basic firefighter training. I went to scuba diver school or like rescue swimmer school. Um, so I was always the first man out of the submarine whenever we pulled up and sat on the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. And when we would dive down, I was the last man to actually physically shut the hatch and make sure that it was closed so that a bunch of water didn't come rushing in. So it was a very unique experience. But um, imagine I put you and 130 of your best friends. Um, uh, for y'all, for y'all's example, it'd be all women. There'd be no men um, because I was on an all-male crew. And you get to live in this three-story house that's three, 300 feet long. You get three meals a day, no windows, no internet, no beer. And <laughs> like I said, it's all women. Um, wrap your head around that. It's, it's, it's crazy. And you can't leave. Yeah, there's, <laughs> you, you do a little wrestling every now and then. You, know, you, you, get in a, you find ways to entertain yourself. The way we explain it is um, you know, the whole like energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just changes its form or whatever the thing is. We say that about happiness. So the second we shut the hatch, whatever happiness is in the boat, it doesn't leave. It just transfers from person to person. So when someone's having a shitty day, if you need a little more happiness, you go to that person and you like open your jacket and you take some of the happiness. <laughs> Wait, I love that. And you scoop it into yourself. <laughs> yeah, you would find because like I handled the the message traffic. So when someone got email traffic, um, I it would have to go through me because we had to make sure they weren't passing like secrets about the boat, like where it's going to be, what it's going to do. So I would have to read all messages going out and coming in, and because of that, I learned a lot about people. And you would have to know when to poke the bear and when to not poke the bear but also some of it like if someone died right then that was a whole nother thing where you had to be a professional about it but for other small things yeah you make fun of your friends your friends make fun of you like i said you play cards so you lose every single game every day you get really sad so you just go go poke on that person you take all their happiness and make sure they don't give it away but um yes living underwater is not ideal how long like consecutively, you may have already said this, would you be underwater? So the the type of boat that I was on is built out to do about 100 days at sea. Oh, wow. Um, without having to come back for any reason. We make our own oxygen. We make our own atmosphere. We do, we do everything. Um, perks of living on a submarine that are better than the Navy. We make everything fresh from scratch. We have to because we don't have room to store hundreds or thousands of loaves of bread. So we just bring pounds and pounds and pounds of flour and a bunch of other stuff. And so we, we make everything from scratch. Which, would thrive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like nice sourdough. It's like flour and water and that's it. And you're like, like the one thing I would bring into the sub is my sourdough. sourdough. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what would you think on a desert island? What would you take in a submarine? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, things like that were good. However, there's the opposite of that. We, on bigger ships, I forget what they're called. Um, there's a process where they basically take a helicopter, fly a pallet of food out, and they can just have the helicopter literally landed on your thing. And it flies away and you're good. You cannot do that on a submarine. We're underwater. You can't fly anything to us um, <laughs> if you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. Um, so we would go, we'd get, we'd call it fresh. Fresh is the broad label for anything that is basically normally refrigeratable, but now not um perishable right yeah. yeah so we would have fresh for about two weeks three weeks and after that everything is now canned powdered you know frozen NASA unit energy. yeah it's literally like just add water our eggs are if you've ever seen those powdered there's eggs a little, there's oh, a youtube no. video yeah where you cut open a bag and I add see. x amount of water or if you want to fluff it up a little bit you add uht which is dehydrated milk 
it's not actually even milk basically, but it's gross. Um, but you add a little bit of that, you shake it around and you cook it and it tastes like absolute plastic. Um, I'm already iffy on eggs. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Like Imagine having an ick and then seeing it made out of powder. <laughs> Powdered ick. That is what those eggs should have been called. Um, there's some rumor that we would get rejected food from jails. Ah, I um, love that. Like the boxes would actually say like not fit for inmates. <laughs> Like that, that should tell you something. Um, (laughs) But the other side of that is like, there's this camaraderie. So yes, you get all this like terrible, terrible lifestyle. But my three best friends, uh, Josh, Josh, and Nick, they, who all have last names that end in EZ, by the way, Martinez, Perez, and Gonzalez. (laughs) Don't know how that happened. Another Perez? Yes, another Perez. Um, We sat next to each other in class because it was alphabetical. So it was great. (laughs) That's so cute. Yeah. Um, We're all best friends. There's this camaraderie that you cannot... Something about being forced to live in a box, a windowless box with people for days and days and days on end. My longest was um, a little under two months. It was like 50 something days I went out. Um, and that was, that was cool. And even like we went out, but we kind of came close to land and we were able to get a boat to come drop off some food. So it wasn't like the real, real, real experience. Um, but you get really close to some of these guys. You also want to kill some of these guys, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. But everyone on a submarine is a little bit smarter than your average person. They know how to fight fires. They know if the ship is flooding, how to take care of that. I mean, there's a million different dynamics that you don't think about when you live underwater. Um, And during all of that, that was when, by the way, there's one treadmill, one erg or rower, depending on who you ask. And yeah, and (laughs) one um, stationary bike. Those are the three for 130 people. There's one washer, one dryer. Um, you rotate, you're on shift, you're only allowed to get a window once a week to do laundry. And if you miss your window, you have to wait a whole other week. So. Man, too, I can imagine that got so dirty. You hot rack. Um, so that what that is, is we assign three people to two beds, but there's three shifts in a day. So one person's on shift and the other two could be asleep in theory. And so mm-hmm. the third person, when he gets off a shift, literally switches out with someone. And it's like, wake up, dude, you're on shift. Wow. Hops into a warm bed. That's why we call it hot racking. Oh, that's funny. A, a preheated bed. Um, yeah, you try not to share sheets. There's a whole bunch of stuff. And then you eventually find those people that have like a natural stank to them and you put them all in the same uh, <laughs> bunk room. Yeah. It's the little towel. Yeah. That's 100% what you do. And you let them deal with each other and they all fight. It's great. Do you have any like crazy stories that you can tell us? Yeah. Crazy stories. Let's see. Wow. That's a good question. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we don't want to get you in trouble. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some of the stuff that we. We don't did. want the military coming after. I mean, us. Yeah. crazy. I guess one of the one of the cool things, like I, so I was on the USS Indiana. That was my boat. Um, when I joined it, it was not even a boat. It was actually in pieces in this huge, 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 like 500 foot long garage, and that's where they built them in Newport News, Virginia. Um, I got to be part of the initial crew that got to see it built like literally welded together all these systems installed and put together piece by piece. And eventually I was on the maiden voyage and took it out to sea for the first time. Sounds super cool. Let me rephrase. You get in a metal tube that is designed to sink and someone tells you, Hey, can you go make sure it sinks and hopefully comes back up? That was what I got to do. And that was my first job on a submarine. Um, Terrifying. Like just a little pucker factor the whole time. Um, Not ideal, but again, you have a crew that you trust at that point and you know, but there was that the first maiden, the, the maiden voyage was just under like 96 hours. It was supposed to be four days long. And the first three days we were basically all up with flashlights, just looking at like where 
water could come in. And we oh, just had to inspect wild. all these little seals and valves and make sure water wasn't coming in and that they didn't like burst. So that's not that's the crazy. best and coolest story, but that's what I dealt puts with it in three days straight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now and part of the reason I'm always in a good mood is because I'm not like on the verge of death at every moment. Yeah, it's like perspective. Like mm-hmm. when you have a bad day, it's like, hmm, at least now, I'm not like in a submarine. Yeah. Now I get white claw surges whenever I want. I don't have to ask. Um, <laughs> no, your captain can actually authorize you to have a beer out to sea, but you have to be out to sea for a very long time. <laughs> Second, are your captain authorizing you to yeah. have a white claw surge. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's like, it's actually going to be good because you're just going to let your tongue span a little looser as you keep going. Yeah. Well, let me tell you everything. I got national secrets. Um, next one, we are on cranberry. So we upgraded from blackberry to cranberry. We'll have to, what's, the, what's the rating? What's the comparison? Yeah. Um, Which one do you like better? Equally cough medicine. <laughs> I was gonna say you called the first one grape, so that makes it sound like it's very it is. Yeah, meat. no, I think blackberry was better, but the cranberry is um, <laughs> chemically ish. Rob's gonna have himself a night. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess like with that. So we talked about you know your career and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the other hobbies. big part of you, there's well. Lots of hobbies. <laughs> muscles. Let's yeah, talk about my muscles. muscles. <laughs> Shout out Alan Yee. Uh. <laughs> um, so you, again, wear a lot of different hats. Running is a big one of them. Mm-hmm. How did you get into running? So that um, actually goes hand in hand with the Navy side. There's a mustache hair on the ground for you. How dare you? Oh. Um, you have Benny's hair all over. thousand Benny hairs yeah. and I leave one mustache hair and you're like, bro, yeah, pubes. Like plucking it and like literally I didn't. like. All right, I'll put it like, on Benny next At least time. Benny like doesn't know what he's doing. That's what you think. Have you yeah. seen how much he shakes? I know. Um, <laughs> how did I get into running? Okay, so that same thing. Okay, so I got in the Navy 2013, got out in 2020, end of 2022, right? Yeah, last year, end of 2022. 2013, when joining the Navy, I decided I should probably, I was, I was an athlete in high school, so I was like in shape, but I was like, I should probably get in better shape for things that are more military driven as opposed to like, I played volleyball and football. So I, I did a lot of strength training and like vertical training and jump training and all that. Um, so I was like, let me do this running thing. And so I had this route to this park that I would run every single day um, leading up to joining the Navy or the thoughts of joining the Navy. I started doing, uh, it was summertime. So I was doing a 5k every day um, in the middle of the summer in Chicago, which is not cold that's for sure so i did this like run every day then i doubled it one day and i did like a 10k and then one day i was like let me go for a full 10 mile did that and then right before i joined the navy in 2012 i need to look at my results actually and find out what it is but (laughs) in 2012 i did the soldier field 10 mile which is a 10 mile race that in Chicago that ends on Soldier Field, which that's why people do it. Cause you get, to, cool. you get to be in the football stadium at the 50 yard line. Um, and Soldier Field was much newer at that time. So it was yeah. also like Soldier a brand new stadium. Sick. Yeah, it's cool. So it was an experience, but um, my dad actually was supposed to be the one to do the race and he dropped out cause he didn't feel well or something. And so he was like, if you want to do it, you can take my bib. This is back before bib bandits were like a huge problem. So do you have the same name? Isn't your dad saying he's Robert O, also known as Roberto? But um, yeah, so I took his bib. Now I'm curious what the time is. I might I'll look it up later. I'll get it to you at the end. But I ran my first ten mile race. I loved it. It was so fun, and that was my extent of running. Then I joined the Navy, kept up with it. Twenty fast forward to twenty. So that was 2013. Fast forward to 2016. I moved to 
Southern Virginia and it's, I'm, I live maybe like three hours from Shenandoah Valley, like Blacksburg, Virginia, where um, University of, or uh, sorry, Virginia Tech is. Um, and you're gonna, I, you're gonna make a lot of people mad there with that one. I know. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Um, I didn't go to college. You can't blame me. Uh, what are they, a Big Ten school? Just kidding. So I, I don't actually know how I found out about this 50K, but somehow I found out about a 50K that was through the Shenandoah Valley, like on the, I want to say it was like Crystal Falls walking path, which is like this 30 mile hike plus a little bit extra. So I sign up for this 50K, I go out and do it, I camp I, or I stay at this hostel or something that's like in the middle of the woods. Everyone doesn't have a real name, they have camp names or uh, <laughs> sorry, trail names because they're all in the middle of hiking, the this Appalachian Trail. No, it wasn't. <laughs> what was your trail name? I, they didn't give me one because they were like, are you hiking? And I was like, no, I'm running. So it was a very weird dynamic. But I, I remember one of them was uh, Nugget and Black Sheep. That's who I, that's who I roomed with. <laughs> Literally, Nugget and Black Sheep. Um, Jake's would be Nugget. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's would be Nugget. <laughs> so I, I run this 50K. It's, that one I do know. That one, I think it took me like eight hours and some change, like walking pace, basically. And I was like, that was super fun. It was also my first trail race. I mean, there was a million parts of it that I was like, I've never done that before. So I, I do it. When I get there, they tell me about this other race called the High Bridge 50K. Don't know mm. if you guys have ever heard of it. Um, I haven't actually talk, really talked about it yet. So. so I run the High Bridge 50K like a couple months later or something. And the High Bridge 50K is this race that's 100% flat, except for the last mile. But it's basically 100% flat, so it goes much faster. I did that. I really enjoyed it. And then started going out to sea. So I lost a little bit of my training. Found a period where I came back, and this is in 2020, 2019 or 2020, I started getting more time to myself again as I transitioned to D.C. and the White House. I started picking up running again. Um, when I did that, someone mentioned the JFK 50, and so I did a 50-miler and was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And it was that was my first race where it wasn't like most of the ultra, ultras I've run are like 30, 40, 50 people, maybe 100 if you're lucky. Then I get to JFK 50, and there's 1,200 people at the start line. That's crazy. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit, like this, all these people are insane as I'm at the starting line with them. Like, <laughs> oh, me too. All right, I get it now. Um, so we run this 50 mile. I did it with me and three other people that I convinced to do it. Um, and that was like the track club, Northeast Track Club, um, shout out. They they came out and ran, which was insane. Um, and then on top of that, they sent out, I think it was like 25 people came and supported. So mind you, it's like 35 degrees out freezing cold everyone's in seven jackets and they're all standing there as i run for nine hours straight was this 2021 was it was 21 maybe yeah maybe yeah that was my first ever netc event we were there yeah oh, we were there. there you go look at that I just didn't even know i remember yeah, oh, no. i was blacked out on surges <laughs> we had a little bit of an issue we had a little computer die so we lost a little bit of what we were saying but a little computer die. this thing's fucking huge <laughs> <laughs> everyone made fun of me in college because they were like this is like a like a tv screen and i was like it's the Mama, fucking mess you can yeah but like you can see so much you can so, fit so much on the screen yeah, i just got my first mac it. so i get it wow i need a new one but <laughs> basically um where we left off what even made you decide because you know like, even if you were interested even if you were entertaining the idea what actually was that switch that was like actually this is what i want to do versus someone else like me, who's like, has the opportunity to do a 50 mile. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah, not, for now. Not thrilled by the idea. But yeah, it was, it was like, it was a, it was a personal thing. It was like, it was a pushing the limits thing, but I, I expanded this bubble of like what I thought was possible. And so I ran a 50 K 
half half marathons and marathons seemed so simple, so easy. Um, then I got to 50 mile and now 50K sound seems easy. And then it, back in March, I did the 300 mile. And now if someone's like, hey, could you pace me for a 50 mile or could you go run 100K with me? Like I did three days, almost four days back to back to back to back, 100Ks. Like, yeah, I can run 100K any day of the week now. Um, and that, like learning that about myself made running seem so small. Um, and And it's... I follow these people like Andy Glaze and all these other huge runners who are do hundred mile weeks every week and have for, I think Andy's on his like third year or something straight or like 60, 65th week or something or something that, or maybe it's like 165th week. It's something insane. He's basically been doing it for over three years. He's done a hundred miles a week. And that includes if he runs a hundred mile around Saturday or Sunday or a big 240 mile race, the following week where most of us, even, even myself takes, yeah. takes yeah. mileage down he goes back and bounces back with a hundred mile week. Like his recovery runs are marathons, which is nutty. So that's insane. Yeah. So there's like people like that. And it's, it's the whole, like, there's always a bigger fish. Um, and that's where I kind of was like, okay, if I stay in this community, I will eventually, you know, the whole, like, how do you want to run? How do you run the best 50 mile race of your life? You train for a hundred mile. How do you run the best hundred mile? You train for 200, right? It's like that, that theology, that theory, that ideology, um, so I've stuck with that and now like 300 is my biggest that I've done. And so now anything a hundred miles and below, I'm like, although I've never run a hundred miles in a day. Um, you're going to though. Yes. We're working on it. Um, that is all what has shifted the mindset. And so now as I've gotten into more of the influencing and the Instagram and TikTok, like people are like, Hey, how do I run my first 5k? Which my immediate reaction is like, Every human in this world could run a 5K right now, but I understand everyone's in a different situation. And learning that about myself and going through that journey has only allowed me to share that with these people and say, hey, if I can do 50K or 50 miles, you can do a 5K. That is, mm-hmm. you know, you can absolutely do that, which, you know, Sarah, you, you ran your first ultra. Because of you. Yeah, as a, res- as a result of like, hey, he can do this race and he pushes it on people and he loves it. Like, why, yeah. why can't I do that? Right. Uh, and, yeah. And now to date, I don't, I don't have an exact number, but I would say there's probably been about 30 people who have directly reached out to me and said, Hey, I've ran my first ultra, um, 50 K or 50 mile or longer, because I've seen some of the stuff that you do and you make it seem decently relatable or yeah. doable, um, which yeah. is the goal. Cause I'm not a pro. I'm never, this will always be a hobby. This will never be, um, a job. It'll never yeah. be anything like that. You know, maybe the content thing. Sure. But like actually running for a living no chance well, I think yeah that's a big one too because you said and i agree with you like i think anyone's capable of running a 5k even probably <laughs> it took a big sniff of a the surge <laughs> it's hitting it's hitting i think it's not capability that holds a lot of people back it's like fear and of discomfort and like not knowing what that mental state's gonna feel like and i'm like how do you so how do you because obviously, like, even when you're running these races, even if a 50K or a 50 mile now feels easier to you, you still hit those moments where you're like, this feels hard. Or like, how am I going to keep going? And yeah. how do you get through those moments? Yeah, Dirty German um, a month and a half ago. Wow. Dirty German in Philly. Um, no, I'm not being rude. I'm saying it's the name of the name. <laughs> What'd you call it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Dirty German 50 miler. Um, did that one a couple, about a month ago, I think. Um, thank you, John, for the ride. Um, John Servine. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a race. That was an example of like, I just came off 300. 
that was, I think, I think that was the biggest one after the 300 was that. That was my first big race back. That was ultra distance. Um, I came into it like, yo, let's PR. I was the most ready my legs had been. I did, I had just started school. So there was like a little bit of, I had lost a little bit of training, but my body in the past six months leading up to that was doing 300 miles a month. So I was very, very, very ready. Um, so I'm like feeling on top of the world. I get to the start of the race and literally they say go and it starts pouring. First, it's it's a it's a three 16 mile loops or 17 mile loops, whatever it breaks down to. It's three loops. The first loop we do this river crossing and the river is up to my ankle. Like you have oh to step God. in the water, but it's up to your ankle, which I thought was terrible i was like oh yeah. jesus this is terrible yeah second lap i get there it's up to my waist oh my god just because of the runoff of the mountains and the hill or the my mountains the hills um everything it's just the elevation change it's not crazy but the mud is so caked up like you couldn't go fast and that was a race where 30 miles in mind you i just ran 300 30 miles in i was like this has been the most terrible experience blisters are forming which i don't normally get blisters i love you know the shoes that i run in they fit me really well we're not going to shout you out until you get a sponsorship. Yeah, 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 yeah that's fine. Um, I might be a Puma girl. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in these shoes. Um, they, they always feel great. There's the first race. I'm getting blisters. The in between my toes are like physically chafing, Oof. which is not a, a thing I've dealt with before. Um, it turned into a lot of walking because if you ran, you just kind of like spun out. You like did burnouts on the mud. I mean, there was literally no grip, um, especially on the uphill. So. So I'm doing this race and I that I kind of had a moment where I was like, I thought this was easy. I just did 300 and here I am like, nope, the weather completely changes that. And, you know, Sarah, you remember back to TSP, like day two, mm-hmm. me and Sarah Beans absolutely got destroyed for the last two hours of the night. We did, we only had to do seven miles, but it took almost two hours. It was pouring, freezing rain mm-hmm. and that... Brutal. Seven miles in freezing rain is the equivalent to a marathon in perfect conditions, like energy-wise, I think. And it was draining. Dirty German, like, beat the shit out of me. And I was not – I had to reevaluate, like, wow, maybe TSP was kind of ideal conditions. Yeah, it was cold and windy, but it was 45, 50 degrees every day. Like, you throw a jacket on and you're fine. We're talking – I was in 50-degree weather out off, you know, 30 minutes north of Philly in pouring, pouring rain to, like, where it hurt. The rain was so heavy it hurt. <sighs> And so I was like, okay, new challenge. Maybe let's start training in other weather and other elevation and things like that. But yes, I've expanded my bubble, but there are still these challenges that I have not dealt with. Same thing, extreme heat. TSP, I thought, was going to be this 90 degree, 100 degree, like you're drinking a liter of water per hour kind of thing. And we get out there and the first day or the second day, some of the teams had snow on the ground. And I'm like, in what LA. is this race? Yeah. Yes. In LA, in the they're, desert. They're, in, they're leaving San Bernardino. They're like 60 miles outside of LA in San Bernardino and they turn north to go up their route. I went a different way, but I look on their Instagram stories and they are in snow, a snowstorm. Wild. Yes. In the, oh, uh, was it March? So like not summer, but definitely not winter. Yeah, it's usually like 90 to 100 degrees during the day. Last yes. year, people were getting, it was like 110. Like it was yes. real. So I have, I have learned a lot about like, what actually makes a race a race and that, you know, the mileage is one part, but the conditions, the crew, what you have available to you, how well you've slept, training, recovery, all that, like, that's actually what makes a race. It has very little to do with the day of, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. But. Yeah. 
we keep and talking TSP. about the 300 Sorry. models, TSP. Like, let's dive into it. Um, it's so, the, the only, it's the only cool thing I've done. Yeah, so all we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Sarah so, just wants to talk about herself. Yeah, exactly. Yes. How do I make this about myself? Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, TSP is a... Oh, he's contenting. <laughs> he's doing content. <laughs> Um, TSP is a race from LA to Vegas, and Rob ran it completely solo. I didn't get that part. I can't. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had. We had three pacers out there. Three official pacers, but everyone yeah. got some miles. Everyone in. got to run. Two drivers and a photographer, but Rob ran the entire 295 miles from LA to Vegas. So. Yeah. We want to hear, and everyone wants to hear all about your experience. Yeah. Um, this is the first time I've formally yeah. talked about it. Also, if it wasn't obvious, Sarah was one of the pacers. <laughs> yes. So Sarah yeah. also, even there. though she didn't do the whole thing, she did end up running 100 miles that Biggest week. week. Yeah, biggest, biggest week biggest of her week career. Ever. Biggest week actually, of my career. my Strava chart, like, It's last so annoying. Week, it went away. <laughs> yes. I was yes. Like, Fuck. <laughs> I was so sad. You were sad? <laughs> Imagine if when you're 300, yeah. your 50-mile weeks look like, oh, you ran five. <laughs> I was so happy that it's it went away. Perspective. I was yeah. sad. I was like, this is like the coolest shit I've ever done. Like, yeah. no, no one knows about it. Yeah. No, I was happy that it went away. Yes. Okay. So I ran 300 miles. Um, Before we go, can we? Yeah. This give me. going to be tough. But if you can summarize it in three words, what would it be? Um, and then we'll get into fuck this shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do it again. Um, no. Let's see. Speed project in three words would be be um one it was an honor and that 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 goes into when i applied the the two previous years so the solo option I, it was the third iteration of the solo option um the race has been around for 10 years but the two previous years only eight people had been invited of those eight people we're talking like david kilgore got invited when you hear that who is now he's a red bull athlete <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm a chump compared to people like that. Like, you know, I'll apply, but whatever. Yeah, that hearing a name like Kilgore and knowing that you get invited to do the same race Kilgore did, that was a moment that I was like, this is an honor. Um, the other words I would use would be like <clears throat> exhilarating. And that was not necessarily the race itself, but honestly, the buildup to it was four months straight of no drinking i did zero alcohol um four months straight of consistent 70-ish mile weeks week. two marathons a week i was doing two oh, yeah, a week two. Yeah, well, two, more than a marathon yeah really tuesday long. nights i was doing a marathon and then saturday or sunday i was running a marathon every single week for weeks straight um that was another like oh i'm capable of a lot but I'm still working up to 300. So it, it was exhilarating. It was, it was an honor. And um, I would say friendship. And that was because not only because of my crew, but also shout out Lucy. Woo! It's another. Who Lucy, we're going to have on the podcast. Lucy, we will have you on the podcast. You don't have a choice. <laughs> um, Lucy Scholes, by the way, who broke not only the women's record, but the men's record as well. Smashed the men's record by 10 hours, smashed the women's record by 19 hours. Oh my God, um, she's such a badass. Yeah, 19 hours, that's almost a whole day. Like you could have given her a 19 hour head start and she would have finished right next to you, that's insane. Um, not that anyone, you know, it's a competitive thing, it's more of a journey. They call this race like the burning man of races because it is an experience, it's a journey, there's a lot that goes on. 
but yeah, teamwork. Um, the people around me made it what it was. And that was the people that donated to my GoFundMe, um, the people that ran miles with me, my friend Greta. I did a couple races leading up to it. She was a pacer at almost every race. Her and I have raced more miles than most people run in a year. Um, there's just so many people that were a part of that project. I love that they call it the speed project. Um, and then again, lastly, my team, you know, Sarah, Sarah and Maria, who are my pacers, who all killed it and did hundred mile weeks, which was nutty. Um, Josh and Amanda, who Josh, longtime Navy best friend and his wife, Amanda, they brought their own vehicle out there that handled the, the rocks like a champ. And then obviously James, the bearded photographer who <laughs> captured all these moments, um, of all of us having this journey, a, you know, it's technically the race was only like four and a half days long, but what felt like months and months of a buildup to, in theory, it flew by. I mean, it really yeah. did. Like the days were long in the heat of the moment, but when we were at the pool party, that's when I was like, wait, I was in LA four days ago, five days <laughs> like, ago. Wait, I've been training for this for, I've been thinking about this literally for six months and it's done. Yeah. Now I'm paying $80 for a fucking mojito in a plastic cup. <laughs> like, sick. So worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely worth it. Um, Thank you, Steve Finley, for the first round. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there was just so many different aspects of that that I was like, the people, the people, the people, the people. Um, Nils, the race director, he's obviously he's done it a while. It's the 10th anniversary of it, but he puts us together at great events. Um, Everyone, everyone that was a part of it. Malcolm, who will not accept the fact that he was a mentor. Malcolm took me under his wing and I mean we had a couple phone calls throughout training where he walked me through his strategy and all that and then it was cool to turn around and and me as the new guy and him as a a veteran a returning runner we went out and scouted the route and drove it and sent Malcolm the route and we're like hey here's a route that's 295 miles because he ran way more the year before and didn't take a bunch of shortcuts excuse me the surges um Yeah, all of it. It's it, it's a journey. It's truly a journey. It was an experience, but those are my three words. Yeah, good words. Really good. Good, thanks. <laughs> um, I guess with that also, because I think we could talk for literal hours about yeah. TSP. Yeah, and we, we can like, hit highlights. We'll yeah, hit highlights. yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Highlights and lowlights. Um, I yeah. guess you can Rose, give... Thorn, and Bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, like, I guess your, your top two highlights, bottom two lowlights. Um... I think the highlights were the plan. Day one, basically every day we finished at our mileage goal. Day one, we finished a little ahead of schedule. Day two was that torrential downpour and shitty weather day. So we finished a little behind schedule, but it evened out. And at the end of day two, we were literally at the mile marker that I like Google map dropped a pin and said, I want to be here by day two. Um, once I hit that day three, three, four, and then day five, which was the finish or the end of day four, whatever you want to call it. Um, those days we hit the mileage to the dot we either got to the hotel or the stopping point or the fucking gas station in the middle of nowhere where we were stopping we got to those and that was cool um it was also cool that like no one got hurt um the other highlight was probably the hmm, that's tough you can do three if you want nope right, i'll limit it i'll limit it i got this Try to combine them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Narrow down this. Gambling and... <laughs> the, <black laughs> <Yeah. table. laughs> um, the friendships that I made from it. So I, I, I went in knowing Malcolm. I went in kind of knowing Lucy. 
Lucy and I are best friends now. Malcolm and I are even closer than we were before. Um, Nikki, Zach, you know, James Poole, and all the solo people. One, you pass them randomly throughout the night or the day, and they're like either on their best day or worst day, and it's such a weird, you know, like exchange a little high five, and then you see them 60 miles later. Like, <laughs> they're all so cool. We all talked about coming back next year and running the exact same route to truly have a race because now we all have our feet wet and we want to kind of go in and do that. But the people and the friendships, I think, was the other highlight. I mean, I, I, those people are as close to me as, you know, the submarine that we talked about, like people that I lived underwater for months at a time. I got close to people. These people I saw like five times over the course of five days. And I was like, you're my best friend. <laughs> So when we had Tyler on, he said that when you are put in uncomfortable or hard situations with people, it automatically creates like a really strong bond. And I think this is like a great example of that. No, absolutely. It's, it's trauma bonding. Like we joke about it, but it is, you know, I mean, I FaceTime Lucy a couple times on the course. Um, I did not cry during the race, but Josh is pissed about it. I know the closest, the closest I think I've got to crying or exciting. I'm a happy crier, by the way. Um, we're on Powerline Drive, which, by the way, is this fucking technically it's like a 120 mile stretch of the worst terrain ever. It's like the Mars landing. You're just like yeah. on this cratered road that sucks. <laughs> we saw cows though. Yeah, we saw a cow. I was, <laughs> and halluc- I was hallucinating. I swear to God, I was hallucinating. The I'm in this like not terrible mood, but just like tired. I'm tired of this game that we're playing. Um, and then a text comes across the WhatsApp group chat that Lucy is, you know, six miles out from the finish. Mind you, I'm like 58 miles out, but whatever. Shout out, Lucy. You're great. <laughs> um, Lucy's like miles out and running down South Las Vegas Boulevard, which I was like, we're tuning into this. Like, I will happily lose my pace and skip that and tune in. Were you my pacer for mm-hmm. there? You were? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Sarah and I are walking past grazing desert cows which makes straight no sense <laughs> straight up the biggest fucking hill of my life it was like 20 feet of game with huge hill <laughs> and we're live we're on this instagram live of lucy's team streaming her finishing and then we're on another live pulled up of tsp highlighting the winner which was lucy and Again, I'm, I'm not crying for the record. I'm not crying, but I am definitely like I cried watching that. Yeah. I I here I am like I have 50 something miles to go. And mind you, again, I knew we had to sleep in between that because we had been up all day. But again, we're in the we're in the 50s, which this is where I tapped into. I've run JFK 50. This is one more little race of a distance that I know I can do. We're going to finish this. So it was rejuvenating to know like we're within reach when the, you know, like football has like the red zone the last 20 yards, you're supposed to score statistically. We were going to finish. Um, not that I ever doubted that, but that was like the, the, the cap on the night was we're going to bed. We wake up tomorrow. And I think we had 38 or 40 miles on the last day to go from um, Buffalo bills. Oh, and what was that city called? Oh, um, I don't even remember. I just remember coming over the hill. Yeah. You see the city, and there's yeah. a, there's a solar panel farm bigger than the fucking city. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because I had you for the cold portion yes. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So everyone's gonna get cold. She wears like booty shorts. For like Thirty degrees out, but it's so funny because me and Sarah, like when we're in the same weather, you will think we are literally different, different. Yeah, you're a long sleeve girly. I just I get so cold, so I'm literally in like leggings and a long sleeve, and all the shit. And Sarah's in like a sports bra and shorts. Yeah, we actually have photos like that. Yeah, yes, we we do. We peek over the hill, and I'm fucking freezing because I've been outside all day walking up twenty feet hills at a time. And for the record, there was one time in um. 
They were, they were much bigger, bigger than twenty, 20 feet, hills. but they, they were like it was like twenty feet up, five feet down, twenty feet up, five feet down. <laughs> yeah. We were just climbing this mountain. Hold on, I'm gonna find this. Um, if I'm the name of the town, yes. God, what was it? Buffalo Bills. It's like saved in my phone. So don't worry. Let's see. Buffalo Bills. It's right outside of Vegas. Yeah. It's, it's like shittier casinos for the people who aren't going to Vegas. Oh, we, we, love, like a we love a Buffalo f- Bills Resort and Casino. Prim. Prim. That's what it is. Buffalo Bills. They like. It was such a weird experience. I was like, this is a fever dream. Like, yeah. Like, it was a roller coaster. Amanda really wanted to ride the roller coaster. We're like, we're leaving at five in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> the roller coaster's not going to be running. Yeah, and we had scouted it. Like I said, so me, James, and Josh knew the Buffalo Bills was going to be on the route. But there's something about doing these dumbass hills for like 16 hours that day. And peaking and being like, wow, that city's only four miles away, which took another hour, but yeah. it was only four miles away. Yeah, it also and was like, and you're like, my reward, Buffalo Bills. It was eerie, too. McDonald's. We did every, McDonald's. Yeah, we did. And then Starbucks in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> every single, there's like all these different casinos in that city. <laughs> they were like desolate. They're boarded. They're literally All the lights up, yeah. are going, though. So you're like, yeah. literally like, it was the weirdest feeling. <laughs> yeah. So I got Sarah by my side, just like dying with me. Um, <laughs> But again, it, it, like happy moment that that highlight that was the highlight. Like Lucy just finished, I made it to Buffalo Bills. <laughs> We're in it. We're fucking in it. <laughs> Buffalo Bills. I'm gonna make it down South Las Vegas Boulevard at this point. So that was the highlights. Low lights. Day two, the rainstorm. I cannot stress yeah. that enough. Um, that was also so day two we hit. Let's see, seventy. So one thirty five. Hit mile one thirty five. I thought the cold rain was making me feel cold. And then, like, swelling cold, you know, where you feel like everything's like cramping and mm-hmm. swelling. We did actually finish that day, and I took off my shoe, and that was when I had my first, like, overuse injury. And I looked down at my ankle, and one ankle is a grapefruit, and the other ankle is just a regular ankle. That's when I was like, the race just became real. I'm 135 miles, I'm not even halfway, and one ankle is a peg leg at this point. So, threw on the Normatex, um, got compression going and even like the little squeezing from it on my ankle was so painful um but got a hot shower um sarah beans was not feeling great after being out in the cold she was a little lightheaded like the reality of running for five days straight set in at that point and that's when that was my first like back it up check ourselves remember that we did a meeting before we left and took off and said hey safety is number one my mom wanted me to finish she wanted me to come home safe um that's that was the first reality check which like reality checks not ideal so um other low was probably the price of drinks at the pool party (laughs) that was eighty dollars yeah like literally for a drink the drink by the way i mean the drinks were 32 ounces okay Uh, yes they were big they're like big gulps from yeah it was basically like eight drinks in one it was so a ten dollar ten dollar per drink if you're doing the math you are but there's something about handing your card and getting forced that it's like eight or nothing imagine you went to the bar and they're like our minimum's eight drinks like you're like (laughs) what i I just want two Yeah. yeah so um no that was that literally the one lowest day two everything else day three was a big day where we got to power line day four was all of power line and the final day was the last 40 miles down south Las Vegas Boulevard. as you watch um these gold and beautiful buildings in the distance never get closer but somehow get closer and next thing you know you have the welcome to vegas sign so i was gonna say what was like what was going through your head when you were running that last so i i I used to go to vegas a lot for work so i actually know the strip pretty well as Mm -hmm. far as like i should say the last like five miles from the airport from uh what is it Harry Reid, whatever this, whatever the airport's called, 
from the airport to the welcome to Vegas sign, I literally know that strip, like every gas station and restaurant. I know that very well. So I had a pretty good gauge on it. Um, and I just also knew like when you get to the private airport, the little helicopter section, that's across from the strip. So once we started seeing little small planes take off and they were like within ship, <laughs> within view, I was like, that's the finish line. Like where that guy just yeah. took off is where the finish line is. And we were booking also, there might have been an opportunity to do an interview on TSP's Instagram Live, and so we 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 cooked the last four miles. And by cooked, I mean like nine minute miles, which is hard. Yeah, so, when you're at two hundred and ninety eight, yeah, Rob passed somebody at a seven minute mile yeah, okay, also yes. on the last day. So that give yourself is, a little bit of credit with a peg leg. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, they, I did. I was I was maintaining like when running, I was doing like ten minute miles with like walk jogging. We were home like twelve to thirteen. Um, because that's another question to get is like, what's your pace for 300? Like, there's not actually a pace. You can't calculate that. But we were doing something in the like 10 to 12, basically the whole time. And um, with 20 miles to go, 30, yeah, 20, 25 miles to go, we are watching all these other people. We're watching the Instagram live. Um, and we noticed that we are catching up to another team. And so we, I was like, we have to kind of throw down a little bit and, and speed this up and do it. We got to send it. And so I, I kind of had Sarah as the pacer. <laughs> Other people ran, I swear. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah they, actually the pacers did. So yeah, Sarah Beans always had the shittiest conditions. Um, she had the 80 mile an hour winds. She had the freezing rain and just about any other situation that was terrible to include dogs. Um, Maria, what was Maria? Oh, Maria took all the hard legs that we thought were going to be hard, but turned out fine. <laughs> Um, cause we're like, oh, she can do elevation. And then Sarah, when she would come out, it could be pouring rain and she stepped out of the RV and it was sunshine and rainbows, <laughs> like, and the beautiful, like coming over the hill and seeing prim. That's why but, I keep her around. Yes. We could not have planned that any better. But, <laughs> um, yeah. So Sarah's my pacer. We, we see the other team. And by, by the way, when you're running that, that slow, you may see the other team a half mile ahead that you're not catching them for another five, six, seven miles. That's the kind of unfortunate part. So we're slowly catching up. But once we were within like passing range, I was like, Sarah, next time our watches beep for a whole mile, I just want the Strava to show that we did like a seven minute, seven thirty miles, something like that. And I want to do it while passing our final pass. It was the last pass for a team, but I want to send a message. Um, and so we did that. We passed the team and, we drop the hammer. It was great. We get out of their view. And then all of a sudden I actually realized I'm like, wow, that really hurt. And it's not ideal. But we slowed down a little bit after that, but, I don't know how you did it. but at, at that point that we had again, 25 miles left, which is just under a marathon. And yeah. that's where I was like, I've run that at that point I had probably run what, like 20 marathons in the year. I was like, it's one Fuck more marathon. So you're using yeah. the same tactic that we all use where it's like, Oh yeah. Like I've I done can, this before. I've done this, I've done this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be a little slower, but yes, it was, it was joyous. Yeah. It was joyous. Yes, I love TSP. So I feel like that was a really good yeah. short TSP recap. I TSP. think that like that, and we, I don't know, TSP is just like by far one of the coolest things that I've been a part of, and I was very happy to be on your team. We're gonna so. have to have you do like a, we can have you do like a solo episode, or have you back and have like Sarah's we recap have the too. Team. Oh, that'd be fun. also because like I we definitely told you this, but like Josh inspired the name of this podcast, right. so I feel like yeah. we need to have that would be so fun to have the whole crew like talk yeah. about the other experience maybe rob can interview us and you could be there also. yeah the reverse. <laughs> i have a role in tsp yeah, the reverse sure. interview yeah the hype everyone woman thinks, everyone thinks i was there yeah, yeah i asked all the you time like ran all the runs so like yeah yeah T tsp is a team thing whether you're on the team one or the solo one it's 100 percent the team and 
Lucy will obviously hammer on that as oh, well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Run, running as a team sport. That was actually the first way Lucy and I connected. I did a post on Instagram and I did like the very end of it, I did say like running as a team sport. And at that point, a week or two later, I had my first call with Lucy, uh, not with Lucy, but with the te- with all of everyone. Talked to Lucy afterwards, one-on-one and she did a post and she had this like running as a team sport hashtag. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, she saw that from me. And then I looked and that's been her whole motto the whole time. And I was like, oh, she gets it. She's cool. Yeah. So we, yeah. we hit it off immediately. But we love that. But yeah. Lucy, I'll see you soon. Yeah, love I think that. now, and just to kind of take a little bit more general again before we wrap up with yeah. some rapid fire and random questions, just have a little fun. I'm almost on a surge. So yeah, well, this will be great. We're but good. just in general, what's something that you're looking forward to or a goal that you have for the next year, both? running related and then also just personal yeah um running related I, this one it's it's a measurable goal it's like kind of simple um i as i mentioned before i've run 300 i haven't done 100 in a day my the last race i dropped out of was a 100 miler again the conditions i was ready for the 100 miler training wise but the conditions ate me alive i did the devil dog i attempted the devil dog 100 finished 82 miles and called it quits. Um, same thing, overuse injury, same ankle, blew up. Um, so I got to work on that, I guess. More rollerblading. It's crazy because when you think about it, you're like, oh, 82, you're so close to 100, but then you're like, no, wait, you still have like 18, 18 miles to go. 18, and at that point, I was doing 25-minute miles. Yeah. Um, slower than walking. Like, walking hurt. So yeah. I was going even slower than that, plus terrain. So um, the goal is to run 100 miles in a single day. Doesn't Not necessarily as in 24 hours. But as in one event, yeah. I want to run a 24-hour. And you have it on the book, in the books. I do. I have, I have Rocky Raccoon coming up in February or March or whatever it is. Um, but I would love to do a fundraiser of some sort or something where I do either Haynes Point for 100 miles. We have a fun – well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, or a treadmill 100 miler. Oh, I don't know. So that's a what, what, that's a would you rather question right Yeah. There. But I would, I would probably do it at like um, – a gym close to me that has a treadmill where I would ask the owner of the gym to leave it open for 24 hours so people could come support yeah. and basically crew me. I would have, I would have a crew for that so that I don't have to stop and like yeah. microwave a meal and do this. And do I that. feel like treadmill would be more like tougher mentally than Haynes. I think so I do too. too, but like if I'm in a gym, I have a sound system. I have people yeah. visiting Haynes. You get people to see you at one point. Yeah, Unless they run with you, yeah, they're like, hey, how's it going? Good job. Like, yeah. now you're alone for the next 5K. And yeah. then, hey, how's it going? 5K. For those who are not from D.C., Haynes Point is literally a 5K loop on a little, like, island, basically. Basically an island, yes. And there's, there's it's, nothing. And it's, it's a one-way it is, street. It's the worst place to run. It's unshaded. Especially if you have, like, a wind. God. Yeah, yeah the, the wind would also. It's unshaded if it rained or something that would tear it. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, treadmill 100 actually somewhat sounds potentially easier. Yeah, that's yeah. And then personal. Yeah. Personal goal. Um, I've gotten more into the influencer role, um, which I'm slowly time. being okay with the word influencer, but I <laughs> would love to grow my following. So my, my, what is your niche, right? That's what yeah, I want to give us your elevator pitch. Everyone your, has to have a niche. So I want to make running relatable and the biggest immediate response I get is like, dude, you're running 300 miles. How is that relatable? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, what's your goal? And they're like, I want to, again, the people that hit me up and are like, I want to run my first 5k. And I'm like, cool. 300 miles is like 97.5 5ks. That's all I did. I just did 97 5ks over the course of five days. Um, so I have a lot of experience in running a 5k at a comfortable, slow pace. So 
I put out content that I I think um, you're not allowed to jump in on this. I think <laughs> is relatable. It's it's simple, right? I've never I don't have a coach. I'm untrained. I am un I'm not. I don't have any certifications. I've never done anything other than just laced up shoes and gone and run. Um, I've used my experience, but the hard lessons learned of like these injuries and different things here and there to know what I need, but I'm not a, a marathon's coming up. I got to do 16 week training program. I'm not that kind of person. So I think a personal goal is to keep building this world of like, let's make running simple. Cause it is, it is the simplest sport. There's no coordination, uh, arguable. There's no coordination. There's no fancy gear needed. You need shoes, which you buy anyways. Like it is the simplest sport. It's not the easiest, but it is definitely the simplest. I want to project that onto the world and make sure that people have access to it, you know? Yeah, I think it also fully depends on your approach to it. Because obviously, if you're trying to go out and always run your fastest race and always trying to chase the next time and next yes. goal it's a very different approach than for you who you are you're you be cute at your last race you're mm-hmm. hitting all these prs but at the same time you also are just like i just want to finish this or just run it for fun or just funsies yeah every so, time at the core you're just a kid selling knives I mean, yeah 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 if i can sell a <laughs> to fucking bring it all knife, back <laughs> yeah. if i can sell a knife i can run a marathon. um yeah running is simple i really mean that like running is simple and i i love when people reach out and like have these questions that because they see running as this mm-hmm. big challenge yeah. and it's cool yeah. to take people to do their first hundred mile week or for people to do their first ultra marathon. Like that is fun. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it, I, it's not, it hasn't grown yet, but I have this like messages I received thing that I do on my Instagram stories. And I do, I get random texts, sometimes random DMs from people I've never met, never talked to, never anything that are like, dude, just did my first 50 K dude, just did my first five K dude, just ran my first, mile straight without stopping i've gotten those dms and they're like it's because your videos have helped and i'm like that's cool that's That's cool i don't want to make everyone a 300 mile runner i think that's really dumb in theory um (laughs) but i do want people to have that opportunity available yeah so that's that's what i'm going after you will you will at one point get me to run an ultra you're gonna run manhattan perimeter well that was my doing (laughs) But you ran it because of me. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> by the transitive the property. Transitive property. I, 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 you will eventually get me to run one. It's, yeah. I love a good pyramid scheme. And so... I'm victim to FOMO all the time. Yeah. And that's what he used to do. And I am too now with yeah. Lucy's. When I see, yeah. now, now that I have friends like Lucy and Malcolm who are like, oh, I'm running 700. I'm like, what? Hey, how do I get that? I how do I get that? Yeah, wait. <laughs> Where do I sign up? So, yes, I love it. I love yeah. running. Do you want to plug your social since you did just say that that's your goal? Uh, yeah, uh, it's simple. It's R-O-B. Oh, I'll spell it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that. It's not just R-O-B. People are going to be like, where are I getting from? R dot O-H dot B-E-E. So simple. No complicating that name. R dot O-H dot And that's TikTok and Instagram, right? TikTok and Instagram. That's all I'm on. And Venmo. It's not actually my Venmo. Don't Venmo that person. Yeah, and my Christian mingle. Um, <laughs> and it's Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, ROB. It's it's simple. Um, so go follow him for relatable running content. Yeah. yeah, and DM me if you guys have questions. I want to help. I don't care how silly they are. What goose do I use? I don't know. Burritos. But okay, and then to end it off, we want to play a little fun part. Yeah. Because the rest of this was boring as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> running sucks. We're going to do a little rapid fire. Would okay. you rather? Start it off. Sure. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Would you rather 
not be able to say the letter R or have to go around fully naked once a month for the rest of your life? Um, I rather I rather not be able to say the letter R. My name is Wobble Wobble Wobble. <laughs> and I hit the Gwitty. W dot O Yes, I'd rather not be able to say the letter R, even though my name has the letter R. My name is Wobby. It's literally Wobby. Give me the next one. What is the next one? Okay. Um, we're gonna go with you know we didn't get into your your coffee connoisseurness or your runtography, but okay. Buck married Hill, your espresso machine. That folks are not sponsored. Yeah, and runtography. So we'll call it runtography. My favorite run shoe or coffee. Fuck Mary Kill. Yes. Or the espresso machine specifically. Yes. Yeah. That's hard. You, that, that made it personal. Your, that right? made specifically it, your espresso machine. That made it personal. Um, fuck Mary Kill. Okay. I'm probably fucking the espresso machine. I would. Yeah. <laughs> it's sexy. It has appeal. Um, I am marrying. I think I'm marrying runtography because that's become more of a passion. And I'd probably kill the only because I'd burn through them. Because they won't sponsor you. Because they won't sponsor you. Burn up. Yeah. Um, Okay, this one is just a random question. If you could follow any celebrity on Strava who doesn't necessarily even have it, who would you want to follow? Because we all know Strava is the best doctor. Do they run? They don't, um, have to. they don't have to. They don't have to. I just get to Stop tap them, into their life. Anybody. Ooh. <laughs> um, wow. Who do you want? I know. It could be anybody. They don't have to be. Who's Let's... your celebrity crush? I don't know. <gasps> what? Okay, we're having that conversation. because we needed to... everybody has a celebrity crush. <sighs> I don't know celebrities. I don't own a television. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't watch anything, so I don't actually know pop culture. But you have a TikTok and an Instagram. Yeah, you have – you don't listen to a raw. Okay, I'm trying to think of who I – there's, like, an Instagram person I have a crush on. Um, <laughs> Everyone has to have an Instagram crush. Are you, you going to look through now? I need a little inspiration. Who, Emma Coburn. Oh, my oh, God. I'm in love with that's her. That's a good one. Good oh, one. Yeah, that is a good one. But, you uh, like, does she not have a Strava? I don't know. I don't follow it. Okay, then – that but yeah, that's a good that's one. A good I'm one. actually I had the biggest girl crush on her. Yeah, Coburn, if you're listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we want you on the pod. We want you on the pod. <laughs> yeah. What can I be here when you're on the pod? <laughs> uh yeah, Emma Co. I think that she's actually that's one that I, I don't follow her, um, but she pops up on my Twitter page. Yeah. So I think her is her is great. Her is her is great. We love. <laughs> Her is your would you rather should be like for the rest of the podcast the last three yeah. minutes. Do you do this or do you do this? Oh, and you yeah, give like a good. rule. That would be a good one. Yeah, and I have to go. Maybe <laughs> 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 change them up a little bit. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yes, right. I'm a Cobra. Next, would you rather, which you kind of already alluded to this, but would you rather jump in the Potomac once a week or run a hundred miler on Haynes once a month? So July 8th, the Potomac's open to swim in. And That's I disgusting. kind of want to do it. Well, see, we do both. Is what we hear. So you're I would do a hundred miler and cool off in the Potomac. <laughs> Ideally, once a month. Um, the Haynes One Hundred is only intimidating because, again, the support is not there. It's yeah. one little. Maybe someone runs with you, but other than that, like you have one little tent that you set up. Jumping in the Potomac, I'm down. <laughs> okay. 
I hot take. I'm down. I want to get a little. Gross. I want to get in the pandemic. <laughs> gotta do it once. Gotta say. Gotta do it for the plot. July eighth. Uh, July eighth. It officially. We're both away. Fuck. Yeah. We're gonna miss it. I'm gonna I, that night. I I don't know if I'll survive the day, but I'll be. You'll come out with like a third flip. Yeah. It'll start. <laughs> it'll start in the Potomac. My day will be starting in the Potomac. I'm so here for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Two more questions. Yes. Um. You have any worst first first date stories? Wow, I feel like I actually just told this one a day or two ago. Let's hear it. Thank God I know she won't ever hear this podcast. You never know uh, what our reach is going to be. We're going to DM her the link. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dropping names, but... You don't have to drop names. Terrible first date. It's kind of a fucked up story because I went on the same date twice. <laughs> You're incriminating yourself. <laughs> okay, I go on this date. Um, she, We meet at... Dacha Shaw, Beer Garden in D.C. Dacha Shaw, we meet there, and she is at a group event. It is, it's either her birthday or someone's birthday, and it's a group event. Um, so it's not one-on-one. It's not a date date. But it was like, I will hang out with you if you show up. So she invites me. I show up. We hang out. We hit it off. It goes well. Um, she eventually invites me back to her place. We go back to her place, and as we're walking in, she goes, I have these two, like, crazy dogs. Hope you don't mind. Which, like, I'm a dog guy. Sounds great. You know, everyone has a crazy dog. <laughs> Actually crazy. These dogs nonstop yapping the whole time. It was a beagle and a hound, I think. Oh, God, like howling. Yes. Terrible. <laughs> so I get in, and I'm like, okay, cool. So we take them to the dog park. It's just like, it's a good, it's a decent first date. But I eventually am like, I'm not going to see this person again, so I go home. Fast forward like three years. I get up back. I met her on a dating app, by the way. I get back on the dating apps. I go on a date with this woman. It's a very different bar, very different setting. We, we're we like probably an hour into the date, and she's like, Rob, we've been on this date before. Do you, do you remember me? And I'm like, you're fucking with me. And she goes, no, we met at Dacha Shah, the beer garden. And I was like, I've never been on a date there. And that was because I was thinking, I was like, I've only been there for like group things, but I've never been on a date to Dacha. So I'm like, no, there's no way. And so she tries to convince me. She tells me all these things that are like weirdly true about myself. And I'm like, but I've never met this woman. End of the night, she ends up inviting me back to her apartment. We're walking to her apartment. She goes, I have these two crazy dogs. And it fucking hits me. And I'm like, (laughs) we've been on a date before. She's like, I was trying to tell you. So we walk into her apartment. The dogs are howling. This time, though, the apartment smells like absolute shit, literally sewage. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is that? And she's like, I don't know. The neighbors next door, though, always flood their apartment because they're a bunch of drug dealers and, like, flush a bunch of weed down their toilet and it clogs it every single time. I'm like, how do you know that? And she's like, well, they're drug dealers. So, like, you know, we're tight. But, like, they're annoying as neighbors. I'm like, this is the weirdest situation. We wa- She walks in to go use the bathroom. She walks into her bathroom, which is by her wash machine. It backed up. The sewage did back up into her apartment. She starts screaming. She's screaming. She's like, Rob, come here. Help me out. So I walk over, and there's gray water sitting on the floor in her apartment. And I'm like, wow, this shit has taken a turn, pun intended. (laughs) So it's really weird. I'm now realizing I've been in this apartment before. I'm like, this is terrible. She goes, I'm calling 911. Yes. That <laughs> escalated quickly. I said, for what? And she goes, Rob, my apartment is flooding. As, as the, a plumber. The bottom of her feet are... Emergency maintenance. The, the bottom of her feet are pitter-pattering in this little puddle. It's flooding. So I'm like, no, back it up. Call emergency maintenance. So she calls emergency maintenance. No answer. The guy has his phone off or whatever. 
So she calls again. No answer. Goes straight to voicemail. So she calls her mother. <coughs> I'm on speakerphone with this girl's mother, and she's trying to understand what to do. And her mother's like, turn off the water, which I know how to do. So I go and turn off the water. And her mom's like, don't call 911. Call the emergency number. And she's like, I don't know the emergency number. Isn't that 911? And I'm like, this is literally the worst date ever. Um, worst second first date. So it went terribly. She ends up calling the emergency number, finally gets a hold of someone. She then asked me to watch the dogs, these shithead dogs, no. for a couple hours while these emergency plumbers come in and declog it and bang on the neighbor's door and go clog their toilet, which was the backup for the sewage. Dang. Yeah, shitty story, I know. <laughs> and that, literally, I'm like, there's no way. So I didn't leave her place till like five in the morning. And I'm watching <laughs> oh these two God. shithead dogs as a toilet is being unclogged in a neighbor's unit to get the sewage out of her apartment so she doesn't pitter-patter in this fucking shit puddle. That actually sounds terrible. terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. That was not what I expected whatsoever. Yeah. Right. You thought it'd be that's like a bad kisser? Story. No, shit water. <laughs> shit water and terrible <laughs> dogs. Shit dogs. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that's why. Terrible, Amazing. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So our last question that we like to end off on. Oh, I'm nervous. What is one motto on. that you live by? Yes. You know, I've been asked this before. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Shout, shout out Kate Max. Um, <laughs> how you do anything is how you do everything. And I learned that a long, long time ago. And how I apply it is when I take shortcuts in small things in my life, I know that those short, I would probably take shortcuts in bigger things that are more meaningful. Um, so even like silly things, like when I don't fold a shirt properly or don't like throw the duvet cover, right? Like I do laundry and throw the duvet cover, you know, on the side of the bed and not actually make the bed, like things like that. I know when I take those shortcuts, I will probably take those shortcuts in other aspects of my life, what I don't want to do. Um, and so I got a little more protective once I kind of remind myself that like, hey, if you're going to be a shithead about this, you're probably going to go do other things and not do them fully or complete or give all of your attention to that. Um, and so that was something that I was like, let's change that. So how I do things now, there's a lot of attention to detail. Some people call it OCD. I think that's wrong. I make sure <laughs> that I do it a little more thoroughly. Thoughtfully. Thoughtfully. I love that. Yes. No, that's yeah, a really good one. one. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. I love that. Well, Rob. This was amazing. I know. I feel like we definitely learned something, some new things about you. Absolutely. Two, I learned... two surges later. Two, two surges, surges later and an hour and a half of recording. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Photo with the surge. But thank you so much for coming on, and we'll obviously yeah. have you back because, yeah. We're friends. We're friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah podcast is a team sport. Yeah, and we have the best podcast team. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm down. No, thank you guys for having me. This yeah. was fun. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes. Follow Rob on Instagram and DM him for Kitchen Knives. And running. And running if you want. help. Yeah. <laughs> but Rob, we love you. Yeah, Thanks for joining thank the pod. Love you. Yeah, love you. Bye. Enjoy your safe flight to Israel. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Woo!